Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back to another week of Dirt to Dollars. I'm glad to be back with you. There she is. Where have you been? You weren't even here last week. I wasn't here last week. I've been trying to play double duty on a few different things at our office. And so I was stuck doing that last week. And sorry, but that took priority. Sorry. I love y'all. Many hats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lots happened since we've been on the the, the airwaves, I guess. Um, uh, When we recorded this last week, I think it was that evening. Yes. Was that, that the evening that the floods happened in Eastern Kentucky? Yeah. So I we didn't. That's all right. Yeah, we didn't get to really talk about that much last week because it had happened after we recorded. But uh, my gosh, there's been some re- bad flooding in that area, and oddly enough, um, the week before that, I wasn't on the show because I was actually there. I was in Hazard uh, when you all recorded last time, or or the area surrounding that. Um, but we were. Uh, part of the ag leadership program I'm in, we were touring parts of Eastern Kentucky and just about everywhere that we went to was um, affected by the floods in a bad way. I was going to ask if you saw any of the pictures, if you had recognized any or if you had been in any of those locations. Oh, yeah, to yeah, see definitely. It. Yep. Man. Uh, uh, there was one rough. greenhouse or one vegetable producer that's in um, it's uh, Cornet's Farm Fresh. They were they have like 200 something acres of vegetables and they run. I mean, basically, their farm runs along a a creek that's where they irrigate out of and that's how they uh run their operation but i mean it was everything underwater and as a lot of you know with food safety once you know food gets underwater like that you can't harvest it so they're gonna have a a big problem but there was there and and several other places that we drove through and drove by and and went to were negatively affected by this so thoughts and prayers and you know if there's Anything you can do to help, I know it'll be it'll be needed there. They're gonna have a lot of cleanup mm-hmm. to do. Um, it'll be a lot. Like, imagine, yeah, I was gonna say it'll be a lot like Western Kentucky. It's like I said, we've been our state's been. Whew. It's a lot like Western but, Kentucky, but the difference yeah. is the logistics of it. Because well, that's what you just yeah. can't get it. You just can't get right. to those places, and well, even with the tornadoes, you could still get the. You could drive around right. some damage, but when there's only one way in and one way out, I mean, and the road's gone. You know, it's, it's, there's no way to drive around some of that. It's just the, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long time. I I, I was seeing all the rescues that they were doing and all the, uh, astronomical numbers of people that were rescued by helicopter or boat. And you just think about how bad it could have been if it wasn't for having those resources around that could, could help get people out. I think I saw the Cajun Navy came up with their airboats and were rescuing people. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see think that about that in Kentucky. You know, no. they're usually dispatched in hurricane areas. So. Yeah. It's, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, why is everybody, why were they building next to the creeks and that kind of stuff? And for anybody that's never been in that part of the world, that's literally the only place you can build. You've got the mountain and then everybody has to build in the holler. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's usually a creek at the bottom of it. And if there's much water that falls, it goes straight down the mountain. Has to go into the creek. So well, and, and now and a lot of these buildings were, you know, 80, 90, 100 years old, and they'd never had water in them before. Shows you how big of an event this was. But oddly enough, you talk about that hundred, two hundred years. Um, I saw it on Twitter that 
the the United States experienced two one in a thousand year floods within three days of each other. Yes. So did you see where St. Louis? Yeah. On July 25th through 26th, they had the wettest 24 hour period ever. And they got up to a foot and some even said like 14 inches of rain in that span. And then in Eastern Kentucky, they, they got around 10 inches in that span. Now St. Louis, you think of the terrain up there, you know, it's yeah, there's flooding and it's bad, but it's not, it's no nowhere near as mountainous as mm-hmm. as what we had here. But when you when you get that much water on hillsides and it's just you know gravity brings it all down, mm-hmm. and just the force of that water. They were showing. I saw a picture of a. It was like a, mm-hmm. uh, a culvert under a road and had a car. Like the force was so much that it pushed a car all the way through it, and it was like halfway out the end of it, just like it was just like pushing. You know, when you think of like squeezing something out of a tube mm-hmm. and how oh, it was insane, the amount of pressure that that water had. Well, and I'm concerned about, you know, what'll be, you know, you think about the mudslides and things that could still happen. You know, I think there's still a little bit of concern that, you know, when you get that much rain on the mountainsides, you're going to have a little bit of, you know. Well, and they got water, too. you know, after those floods, they were getting more rain too. Yeah. And yes. they got and some, supposed to get more rain later this week. I, mean. yeah. I think so. So that's always a, a worry. Yeah. Didn't I a think, place in Illinois get a, some rain too over like the, the first part of this week? They got a pretty big yeah, rain there was as well. A stretch kind of southeast yeah. Illinois, southwest Indiana that had that 10 to 11 inch. I was going to say, it mm-hmm. seems like it's kind of hitting it's in just, this general vicinity. Well, it's just this, these fronts are stalling out kind of right in our area. And it's just storm over storm after storm after storm training over top of each other. And that's when you get these flooding rains yeah so you know you see all the the stories that start to come out after events like these did you all uh see the volunteer that showed up in eastern kentucky i, I think two. there was a couple yeah the one i, I saw two. was it was a post about these guys have been working with this long-haired bearded guy <laughs> for like two days and couldn't figure out who he was Finally came out, it was Chris Stapleton. He had worked for like two days volunteering, cleaning stuff up, and nobody noticed who he was. Yeah. Well, and that one really Tyler surprised too. me. They, um, uh, well, yeah, uh, Tyler Childers was also mm-hmm. a volunteer. Yeah. yeah, I was, was dressed very, you know, like you wouldn't, they were wearing normal clothes, like mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to, unless you knew them, pick them out. But that surprises me about Stapleton because I've heard he's not particularly nice person <laughs> um, really? if i ruined that for anybody but uh, i think he has a uh, uh sort of kind of known as not being a real real nice to people i think that's what i, I remember he's, hearing something about that friends well, of his but anyway evidently he's it's, everybody's a little different i guess maybe he's just doesn't like being in the limelight probably and i'd say if you want to help and and really help you probably don't need to let anybody know who you are because he'd just be covered up with uh, people to want to take selfies and stuff with him, but that's cool. That's, that's, that's cool that they actually uh, were able to do that and, and help. And lots of, lots of months of cleanup. And like you said, we'll, we'll know more and we'll get more as we get more information. If there's things that, you know, I'm sure extensions already out there doing some things. We've had some, just like in Western Kentucky, we've had some fellow employees have, you know, be part of this issue. You know, they've had some flood damage as well. So we'll just, you know, keep everybody, updated and if there's things we can do and information we can get out we'll let people know had some other weather stuff um going on too i think that i see something that we've we had one of our hottest days 
the hottest July, ninth hottest July on record. So you know to know how I read that. So we have this thing we keep between us where we have notes that we're going to read on the show. And what it said, it said July 9th, hottest on record. And I was like, I was July, thinking about yeah. July was the, 9th, the 9th. The way I read that too. On I was like, what was I doing on July 9th and how hot was it? I don't remember it being that hot, but I, I, I get you now. July yeah. was the ninth hottest on record. So yeah, that's, and, and I think that's said, just, I think they take the average temperature like daytime and nighttime, it was 83 degrees or something. It was muggy. But see, and I think that's the nighttime temperatures is what does it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what makes it hot or not. Because you can, sometimes you can get it to, you know, 100 during the day, but you may get down in the 70s at night. But when it's in the, in the you know, upper 70s, around 80, that's when it can really make those averages average up. Because it, it was pretty, it was pretty warm. Uh, just put that in reference. I think 2012 was the second hottest this, July on record. Mm-hmm. It was hot and too. we haven't mentioned this yet, but we're recording this on August 3rd. And I think today is supposed to be um, one of the hottest days, too. I, if I've read that right on the weather this morning, I think heat uh, index was supposed to be bad, heat index. like 105 to 110 yeah. or something. So. so. Still some warm days, but still a little bit of rain. So chances popping around. So good day to have an office job. Yes, and that's where we are <laughs> in the air conditioning. All right. Well, now that we're all caught up on the weekly events and news here, uh, I think we have a special guest with us this week. Uh, Larue County's own Daniel. Do uh, you want to go on and introduce a friend of the show? This meeting is being recorded. That's new. (laughs) (laughs) My Zoom did update whenever I turned my computer on. It had to update. I was a little worried about what it was going to do. You never know when the update happens, Mm -hmm. what's going to change. Well, we have a special guest today. Excited to have a uh, LaRue County farmer to join us today, Mr. Joe Stoltz. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Morning. Thank you all for having me. So I got to ask, last week we we had a Joseph on. Are you a... Joseph or a Joe, or does it matter? I am officially Joseph, but you are uh, officially a Joseph, but you go by Joe. Okay, all right. right. Just want to just want to clarify and make sure. So, Joe, you've uh, very involved in the Larue County Ag community. Um, I'm going to name a few things that I know that you've been involved with, and you you probably have more than you can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, you've been the Larue County Cattlemen's President for like 25 years. I think <laughs> it seems like it <laughs> seven, seven or eight years, I think. Yeah, and then, seven, uh, seven and also ago. very involved with the LaRue County young farmers group. I think you've been the president of that for about 25 years. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and, uh, and also been a member of uh, LaRue County farm bureau and been on the board there and, and helped out with, with programs there. What am I missing? I think you've served on ag development council before, um, yeah. done, done several things like that. Sounds and, like it's uh, time to get him on district board. I think yeah. so. We're going to have to work on that. Uh, but yep. very, very involved in the agriculture community. And, uh, you know, you're a very good farmer and, and do a lot of good things. We've had a lot of field days at your farm. And I guess we just wanted to get to talk to you a little bit today and get to know you a little bit. And our listeners can get to, to know about you and your farm. So why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit about your farming operation and, and what all you do at, at the farm? All right. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Uh, like you say, I live here in Southern LaRue County. Uh, my wife, Vaughn, and two boys, Tate, who's eight, and Clay is six. And uh, 
got another one on the way, going to be here in a few weeks. We'll be uh, welcoming a, a third farmhand. Uh, but uh, we got about 160 acres that we own here, run a cow-calf operation, a commercial cow-calf, and uh, probably got about that much more ground that we that we lease uh, and rent between pasture rent and hay ground. And uh, the, uh, the, the farm that I live on here uh, is a family farm. Uh, goes back to uh, my great-grandparents uh, bought this place in 1939. I bought it from back. my grandparents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been a family for a long time and, and I'm proud to keep it going. And uh, that's something I take a lot of pride in and try to take care of it. And hopefully my boys will want to do the same. And uh, I'm just trying to take care of it for them. I, I bought the farm from my grandparents. Uh, when I was, uh, I started out uh, farming in high school, of course, growing up on the farm, grew up here and uh, helping my grandfather. And uh, in high school, we kind of had a deal that uh, I helped him and uh, took care of a lot of the day-to-day -day things, done the big jobs, and uh, we kind of split the calf crop. And then uh, uh, when I was uh, 19, uh, he kind of, he passed away suddenly. So I went from uh, kind of doing what I was told to uh, at 19 years old, I was, I was the manager. I was, I was in charge and uh, I continued that with my grandmother where she owned everything and I took care of things. And uh, that was, uh, that was a uh, very, uh, I learned a lot during those years. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of lessons learned the hard way. <laughs> a lot of expensive lessons. I, I will say that when you uh, went from, uh, like I say, just uh, doing what I was told to having to figure out the hows and whys of why we had done things in certain ways. And, uh, and, and at, at that same time, um, was uh, that was about 2002 and that was about the same time that tobacco was going away we had depended on that for a long time and all of a sudden didn't have that as a crop anymore and so i was trying to figure out how to make it work with the uh, with the cow herd and uh, uh, work, uh farmed with uh partners with my grandmother till I was about uh, 25 years old and at 25 uh, decided that I had uh, had enough experience and built it up enough that I was ready to, to make a farm payment and own it for myself. So uh, she wanted to make sure the farm stayed in the family and so uh, she decided she wanted to sell it to me and uh, that was a that was a help because uh, it, it was it was really good thing to be able to make that transition and be able to do that while she was still here uh, and and still and she's still with us she's she still lives in the house right next door uh, she getting ready to turn 92 years old wow but uh, I'm, I'm glad to, glad for all she's done to, to help me get started and uh, to, to make sure that uh, I had had some help along the way it's uh it's tough getting started farming, especially uh, at 19 years old. I thought I knew everything for some reason. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> I, I really did. I thought I was ready. I thought I got this. And then uh, I don't know if it, if it was a combination of all of a sudden uh, 
having to make the decisions and then got into my 20s and realized I don't know near as much as I thought I did. <laughs> but uh, it was good so, to have. So you talk about that and, and about all of a sudden having to take over the day-to-day decisions there. Uh, who Were there any people you relied on to, to help learn what to do or anybody took you under your wing or is that when you started becoming involved in extension? It really was. It, it was, I, I got to say extension has been a such a big help to me. That was about the time that I started getting involved with the Cattlemen's Association, started going to the Cattlemen's Association, which then got me involved in extension. And uh, I learned a, a whole lot uh, from going to those meetings. Uh, there was the things that, I learned from the speakers that always helped a whole lot. And there was programs like Master Cattlemen, I really think uh, changed the way I look at things and really helped a lot. And then there was Master Stalker and Master Marketer. And and I've tried to do it all. I, I've tried to take full advantage of the, everything you guys have to offer there at the extension office because it has, it's been a tremendous help to me. And then on top of that, just being involved in the Cattlemen's Association, just going to the meetings was a big help. Just making those connections and meeting other farmers who had uh, who who had been through the same thing and asking questions and hey, what are you doing and what do I do about this and I got this going on and uh, I, I've I've learned as much at the meetings and standing around that grill just uh, picking people's brains every chance I get just uh, just to. Uh, see what I can learn from everybody because there, there's a whole lot of knowledge and a whole lot of experience in those meetings. If you look around the room and a whole lot to gain uh, just, just by talking to people. And, and there's been I, uh, countless people who have helped me along the way and uh, were a big help. And I appreciate every one of them. So Joe, I know you do a lot of different management practices on your farm. And I know you do some, you try to do some rotational grazing. Um, you also wrap a lot of hay. You want to, I guess, with wrapping hay, did you kind of pick up on that from extension programs? Is that sort of where you learned about that? Or was that from some other local farmers that were doing that? I did. I, I first heard of the idea through extension programs and uh, didn't really, uh, at the time, it wasn't really a possibility for me. There wasn't any wrappers around here, but uh, but since then, the conservation district here in LaRue County has purchased a couple of hay wrappers, and when they got those, I got to look and get more serious about it and looking into it more, and uh, that's been a, a real valuable tool that's really helped, uh, helped a whole lot. It's enabled me to get the hay up in the spring you know a lot of a lot of times in the spring it's still raining every few days and it's hard to get a big enough window to to get hay to dry down so with those wrappers we're able to to cut it and we can cut one day and bale it the next and don't have to have near the the dry window to get things done and then uh, of course you know that's cutting hay in may when when it's got the best feed value sometimes we have to wait till june to get that window to uh to dry it down but uh when you wait that long it's it's not as good uh feed quality so it's really improved uh the quality of hay that i'm putting up and getting it off 
that early it enables it to come back quicker there's still rain coming for that second cutting to come on faster and uh then after i got started ramping fescue like that i uh took it a step further last year i started uh, uh putting started a uh, one of my hay fields in a sorghum sedan grass through the summer a summer annual and uh and then in the fall, when I get the last of that off, I, uh, I put a wheat and crimson clover mix in. And that's something that I wouldn't have been able to do without the hay wrappers just because of that sorghum sedan grass has got a real thick stalk. And, man, it, it takes forever to get it dry enough to put up for dry hay. But, man, it makes good hay if you wrap it. I was surprised. I, I, I first started doing it because I wanted to make more hay. And then I was really surprised by how good the feed quality was when we got to testing it and uh, running nutritional analysis on it. it. It's making some really good hay and I get several cuttings through the summer. And then when I put that wheat and crimson clover in and cut it early in the spring, it makes a lot of hay too. And it's really helped uh, give some high quality feed that I like to feed, uh, especially uh, to the herd that's, uh, going through the breeding process and needs a needs a good quality feed kind of keep that up or playing the nutrition that it really helps with the pregnancy rates if, if they've got some high quality feed and it's really it's really been good for it so are you um so with with you saying that are you a primarily a fall calving or a spring calving herd i'm 50 50. okay uh i started out uh when I first started, uh, Papa, all he always had, all we ever had was spring calving cows. And uh, that's the way we had always done it. And that's just what I knew. But uh, talk about lessons learned the hard way. I, uh, there was a year that, uh, I, one thing I've learned through extension is to have our, uh, have our bulls checked every year and uh, go through a breeding soundness exam. Well, we never did that before. And, uh, one year I learned that the hard way. Uh, I had three bulls and about 60 cows. And I thought, well, that, that's plenty of bull power. Shouldn't be no problem. Why would I check three bulls? If one's bad, I got two more. No problem. No big deal, right? So we go through that year and get to the fall and uh, Craig checked everything. And turns out out of the 60 cows, 25 were open. And I said, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> I can't. I, this was the first few years of doing things, and I can't I can't get by with half a calf crop, you know. Uh, 25 were open, so I checked the bulls right then. Uh, uh, and it uh, turns out uh, two failed and one, one passed. So I had one bull breeding all 60 cows, and uh, he did a pretty good job. He was the oldest bull in the bunch. He was the one I was getting ready to sell. I just, should have checked on my wooden <laughs> The good thing I didn't sell him and kept him through one more breeding season or I wouldn't have had anything. But uh, but that year then I decided, well, I, I can't just sell half the herd and start over. That's going to hurt. So I, I uh, moved them over to a fall cabin herd. That's when I split. And uh, from then, I had, and I really like fall cabin herd. It, it's been... Uh, if I was going to do all of one or the other, I'm not sure I wouldn't go completely fall calving. 
I just, I really like Kevin in September and October, you know, with the grounds dry, it's not cold and muddy and those calves hit the ground. And then it seems like they, there's green grass. They just get up and go. And it, it's easier to get cows bred in uh, December too. I'm finding my conception rates are a little bit better. Uh, I do some AI, uh, AI everything. Uh, and, and I find it's easier to get cows bred in December than it is in the heat of May, late May and June. So uh, it's helped conception rates. The calves, you got to feed them a little more. It takes a little more feed to get them through the winter. But uh, when you get more calves on the ground, I feel like it uh, it really it really uh, it really pays, and uh, it, it's been a big benefit. So yeah, it, we're fifty fifty now, fall and spring, and that's how that came to be. Well. Don't fill bags. I'm pretty sure that's how about 80% of the fall cabin herds in Kentucky got started is with a trainer. <laughs> that was going to be, that was going to be my comment. But you know, it's interesting that it is interesting to see that I like to ask cattle farmers, you know, what they prefer because everybody is different in how they operate. And so, you know, there's positives and negatives to both. And so one is not necessarily going to be for the next person, but I do think that that's interesting that you're, you know, you have both the best of both worlds. Yep, and, and it and it works good if uh, you know I we preg check twice a year, run everything through and preg check everything. And if spring calving cows come up open, well then I can just put them in with the fall calving cows. You know they'll get once. I'll let them move once. Now if they get to the fall herd and they come up open again, or if they ever don't breed, then they're going to be cold. But I, I'll let them move once, but they're not moving back. They, they, yeah, we'll kind of work on a. a two strikes and you're out kind of deal. <laughs> you didn't, you don't follow the thrift model and it's uh, one time and they're out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I'll give them one second chance. Yep. That's all. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. That's right. That's right. I think you had that backwards thing. Or, yeah. yeah, it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame yeah. on me. <laughs> there you go. It's one of you those. Get the it's concept. You, know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, Joe, it's pretty obvious to see that, uh, you know, you, you took, you, you gained a lot of info, uh, gained a lot of experience by being around extension programs and and talking to other people and hearing their stories. But, uh, seems like now you're kind of, you're, you're giving it back out. You know, you've been really, uh, uh, good at sharing information and, and having field days. And you can obviously just tell the way you've been on the show here about, uh, sharing, you know, what you've learned and, and how, how you've kind of got there on the farm. Um, but let's talk about the cattlemen real quick. They're going to be, uh, the Lurie County cattlemen are going to be starting meetings back up, uh, here in August. Here we are in August, right? August. Um, uh, already I'm, I'm, I almost said September, but I would have been wrong. <laughs> um, so what's, what's going on with the, uh, the cattlemen here in the next, next week? Yep. Uh, August 9th this coming Tuesday, we're going to have our, uh, first meeting for a couple months, uh, at seven o'clock at the extension office, uh, Southern States is going to be sponsoring our meal and coming out to talk to us. And they're going to bring a representative from uh, Corteva who uh, will talk about uh, weed control in pastures and uh, talk about a, a new product they've got coming out uh, that I've been reading about uh, called Proclova that uh, is supposed to kill the weeds and leave the clover. So uh, 
we're uh, excited to be hearing about that. It, it seems like that's uh, that's everybody's number one thing. If you ask them, well, do you spray your pastures for weeds? No, I don't want to kill my clover. So we maybe, hear that uh, a lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe help is on the way. I, I'm hoping uh, to hear more about this, and uh, we're we're excited about it. So they're going to be there to talk about that and invite everybody to come out and and uh, learn about that with us. Uh, then, uh, we've got the Cape program has just started, uh, are going to start on August 5th, uh, handing out Cape applications. So our next couple meetings in September and October are going to be, uh, able to fulfill that educational requirement on Cape. Uh, we, uh, working on something for September, but I know October, uh, Daniel has already lined up, uh, having, uh, uh, Jeff Limcooler come talk about uh, stretching our hay supplies. That's uh, something that uh, hay's going to be a little short this year, maybe between the uh, high fertilizer prices and the dry early summer. I'm afraid uh, hay might be tight. So uh, we're going to have him come talk to us and uh, hopefully help us uh, stretch the hay we do have through the winter and uh, do the best we can with that. Got a lot going on here the next. It's 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 getting that time of year. You know, we sometimes we we take a little break over the summer because everybody's on vacations and going out and doing things. But uh, here pretty soon, everything's going to kick back open to having meetings and 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 some more programs scheduled. So I'm I'm pretty excited about all that. If you want more information about the Cattlemen's, I think there's a Facebook page, uh, Lorraine County Cattlemen's uh, Facebook page, and they tend to put stuff on there pretty up to date and keep that going. So check that out. And and we try to send that stuff out through the extension office page too, to remind people when stuff's going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, we have all those Cape applications at the extension office and we're here Monday through Friday, eight to four 30 and pick them up then, or you can pick them up at the cattlemen's meeting. It's coming Tuesday. Joe, thanks for all you do uh, for ag in the, in this area and this part of the part of the state. Appreciate all your help and uh, promoting extension programs and, and helping your fellow farmers. So thank, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you all for having me, Daniel. And like you say, uh, I, I've said it before, but I, I want to take a minute to brag on y'all. Y'all do a great job of helping us. And uh, we've got it. We're blessed with a real strong extension system here in this state and here locally. And, and I want to thank y'all for all you've done for me, all the help that everybody that's helped me over the years. And uh, like you say, I'm just, I just try to give back uh, as much as I can, uh, no matter what I do, I can't give back as much as, uh, as much as I've been helped, but, uh, I'll do what I can and always looking for an opportunity to help somebody that's, uh, that's, uh, maybe going through something or getting started and, uh, I'll help any way I can. And I've tried a lot of different things on this farm and, uh, I can tell you, uh, what has worked for me and what hasn't. And, uh, uh, I'm always looking for, a chance to I, I I get excited about trying new things and doing new things and, and I, I like the opportunity to share it with people so uh, so thank y'all for all you've done to help me and uh, thank you for having me today all right appreciate Thanks, it Joe sir. we'll thank see you. you thank you well that was a really good segment with Mr. Joel Joe whoa Joel 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 Joe, Joe yeah. Joseph Joe yeah maybe Josephine. that's no no just Joe, Joe Stoltz, uh, LaRue County farmer. And promise, I promise we did not leader. pay him. 
to say those things. No. He's listen, he's a big that extension was, supporter. That was like I'm, a I'm big, proud of him. That's yeah. like a big extension advertisement. That's good. We don't make Unpaid. enough money to pay him to no. say good things about well, us. You know, but if they're actually utilizing our services and they're being a part of it, it's an it's a natural thing. So it shouldn't, you know, we didn't have to pay him for anything. So see but, all joking aside, appreciate him coming on yeah. and, uh, and all he does for the oh yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> that's bad. That's a bad pun. Um, that's really bad, Matt. <laughs> What's one strike? <laughs> oh. You get up to three and you're gone. Um, dang, that was really bad. <laughs> I can't stop smiling now. Uh, but anyway, that that was a, a good segment there, and and glad. Ha, just really thankful for all he does for uh, the ag community in this area. So, had some things I wanted to talk about today. Let's let's do it. One of them is street corn. What do you what do you all know what street corn is? Did somebody uh, just yeah, do a typo do. and put a T where the W was supposed to be? I don't know. A T. That Did you say T R? Wouldn't it? It would have been the one of street the corn. Street. <laughs> do, you, do you know what it is, Whitney? Did you I know say it like is, fried yes. or grilled or something? It reminds me of the elote, which is like what? fried corn. Come, Come on, on in here with cultured, okay? Was that French? It's, no, that it's, was it's, like she had Spanish. the she rolled her tongue and I everything. Took some Spanish, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I did take several. Como years te llamas? And <laughs> como te style biblioteca. <laughs> That's about uh, all I know. But uh, where's corn, the library? Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah, where's the library? Yep, it's coming back to me now. <laughs> But now street corn, I, I attribute street corn into like a fried corn type, you know, it's, and then it's slathered in like mayonnaise or the mayonnaise. Uh, Mexican version of mayonnaise. Yes. And then covered in cojita cheese and cilantro and it's delicious. That's what I think street corn is, but it would it it not be, be delicioso. It'd be delicioso. I learned so, that from Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Yes. I I didn't know what it was until uh, a week or two ago. And I think our, our family consumer science agent, Marla, she did a program at the library talking about street corn. I was like, what the heck is street corn? I still didn't get to try any, but I'm, I'm intrigued. And I talked to some others and they knew what it was. And evidently like when you go like out West, it's a bigger thing. Um, but it's, I don't know if you've ever been to like, I, I went to Mexico for spring break when I was in college. I'm not going to share any more stories other than this. There was, and they let you back across the border. Uh, yeah, they did. I actually had some stitches that I came back with too, but that's another story. Oh, Lord have mercy. It's a lot cheaper to get them in Mexico than it is in America. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another story for another podcast. So, <clears throat> uh, but anyway, they have street meat. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? It's like vendors that are. And they making, like slice you off meat. Yeah. yeah in yeah. the street. And mm-hmm. it was always like the street meat, like it's good, but you're taking a big risk. <laughs> is it worth, you know, like, is it worth what could happen afterwards? Uh, uh, but yeah. anyway, yeah, that's a thing. Like, so street corn the same way. There's a lot of vendors that are like that, 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 that have that corn and put all that stuff on it. Uh, I've heard it's good. I'm going to have to try it somehow. I'm going to have to. I've had the real stuff. My, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to get my wife on the, on that. Pinterest or whatever, and try to find some 
Or you could just recipes. have a you could just have a Hispanic that works in your office that has access to all of that. And that's the reason we get we get a lot of that culture because they come in, they have all kinds of stuff and it is delicious. Their their food is is really good. So so it is it's a Spanish, it's like a Mexican as yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. And like I said, it's really good. Now there's you talk about fried corn. I used to grow up my mom would make sweet corn and she would fry it and she would, or she would cut it off the cob and then take uh, peppers and mix it all together. And Mm -hmm. she would, we called it fried corn and that was really good too. Mm -hmm. But I don't consider that street corn. I took some, I guess it was 4th of July weekend. We grilled a bunch of pork chops. I took my Didn't invite me. It's okay. Sorry. But I took my seasoning that I put on pork chops. I'm not going to say what that is because it's top secret. Secret. And put it on some sweet corn, put a like a slab of butter on every ear, wrapped it all in aluminum foil, put it on the Traeger mm. with the pork chops, just put it on that top rack, let it sit there while I was cooking. Oh, it was good. We have family reunion. So much butter. Week, and it sounds delicious. I'm going to have to so make some So much sweet butter. I've, I've been bringing butter back into my life. I put butter on a lot of things now. And real I, butter I, I, is the real best. Real butter. And not that margarine stuff, that margarine. Plastic. Country crock. Or you know what? Country crock's real butter. Oh, I don't know if it is or not. In yes, country crock, what comes in the tub? Yeah, but it's real butter. That's margarine, buddy. No, it is not. How much you want to bet? I don't. I don't. I don't know for sure. But I get my butter in if the If it sticks. spreads, it ain't butter. <laughs> Unless it's room temperature, you can yeah, spread room it, temperature better. But country crock stuff is margarine. My life has been a complete lie. <laughs> Are you looking it up? I just looked it up. <laughs> Listen, oh I do think. Oh my gosh. You I, just... have, have you ever heard, though? And I don't know. Like I said, this is an extension related podcast, but this is what I'm about to say is probably not factual. So. You know, you can Google it yourself. But, hey, do you know how much how much soybean product is in country crops? I'm just supporting. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Oh, I mean, that's fine. And yeah. I use it, but like, it's not the same. I don't like, think it tastes the same, though. No. Margarine and butter, is not, it ain't the same. Always, but anyway, what were you going to say, Whitney? I always heard that margarine was like one carbon away from being like a plastic. But, yeah, that's know. what I'd always heard too. I don't know and, how much and, truth there is. And like, to that. if you leave it sitting out, does it really change much? Like, if you leave butter out for very long, it's gonna like, change. Mm-hmm. But like, it's kind of like when you leave like McDonald's sitting out and it doesn't, <laughs> nothing happens you to it. Chicken or nugget in the floor, of the van, <laughs> or fast food. You know, any fast food that you buy, you, it just doesn't break down. <laughs> I've always kind of heard that about margarine. But anyway, yeah, street corn. Check it out. Pretty good. And if and if you got some. Uh, if you want to make me some, then you're more welcome to do that and bring it to the extension office. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> well, and butter, butter is not that bad for you in moderation. Um, and talking about moderation, I think there's a meme that's been running around that <laughs> has not been used in moderation. I love it. It's I been used a little enough. heavily. Can't get enough of it. And, you know, memes are common these days. I guess if you don't know what a meme is, then um, look it up. Yeah, I mean it's but it's you know pictures with words on it that that you know tend to be poking fun at something or be funny. Snarky giggle. But yeah, the the meme heard around the world, I guess, is this Tiger Woods John Daly meme, and it's everywhere. And I guarantee you, I've gotten no less than three different ones a day. 
Two of those were probably for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In different group texts and seeing them on Facebook. I mean, it is literally endless of of the combinations of these. And I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Like, it's just getting started, bro. Because it's great. It's great. Well, it is. It's like the tale of two stories you know you got tiger wood who's is all the or tiger woods who's all like professional looking and then you got just you just got john daly and he's great just wearing them fancy pants and got a cigarette in his mouth and just standing there just like you don't care and it's really funny when uh, i'm gone some of those when i golf it's it's more on the john daly side only i don't smoke i just cannot i just you know i'm there for the party I don't have the flowery pants. I don't either. You can pull it off. You Mm -hmm. know, I have the attitude that I don't give a crap. I'm just going to go out and have some fun. Do uh, y'all want to hear my top three? Yes. So far? (laughs) Sure. Number three, I can't really mention because it mentions a company and we probably aren't supposed to do that on there. So it's a certain seed corn company and then an old hybrid of theirs that's been around for like 20 years that still kicks butt Mm -hmm. and yeah that's number three uh number two what was number two i've got them all oh pro farmer crop tour which i think is going on this week that everybody always fusses about that they come up with too high yield estimates so it's tiger woods is pro farmer crop tour and john daly is my scale tickets in the fall Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's pretty good and the number one I just saw, and I just sent it to you all before we started here, it's Tiger Woods, a job with benefits, 401k, and a nice retirement. John Daly's farming. <laughs> <laughs> that about sums it up. Favorite one. Yep. Well, the one that I liked had Tiger Woods, and it said TikTok farmers, and then it had John Daly, and it was like ag Twitter. That was, that was my <laughs> that was, favorite. That's pretty funny, too. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Oh, that was your honorable mention. Uh, yeah. My honorable mention was if anybody's on TikTok, it was Tiger Woods was Gleaner Combine owners and John Daly was growing corn 2020. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting over into some more farm related topics. That was uh, farm related? Yeah, it was somewhat. That was, we'll that, count I it. thought that was like the top ag news right there. <laughs> Basically was. I mean, all these texts that I've been getting with these memes are from ag groups and from farmers. Yeah. (sighs) I've had some questions about spraying beans. We just talked about this at the field day and Mm -hmm. actually had, I think, Kirsten Wise discussed it a little bit when she was on with us a few weeks ago. Um, But I think our our soybeans are getting right at that stage where they're, you know, if it's if you're going to do some fungicide applications, it's it's time to do that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And we won't get into so much if you should or shouldn't obviously we've got a lot of july rain we're getting a lot of august rain yield potential looks like it's going to probably be there we've had a lot of humid mornings so far in august a lot of you know we should be getting some fog later on maybe that's usually conducive to disease development so check your hybrids see what's susceptible you know if you've got certain uh Risky situations like continuous soybeans or second year bean on beans, something like that, you might look at it. But the growth stage is the most important thing in a fungicide application on soybeans. I know I looked at some data uh, back earlier in the summer that uh, 
you know, basically there's where they saw yield responses, there was like a five bushel difference between R3 and R2 and R4. And so knowing what stage those beans are in before you spray them, you know, if it gets too late and you're not seeing disease out there, then you may be wasting your money spraying them. Uh, we've had a lot of rain. It's been hard to get a sprayer in the field the last couple of weeks. Looks like that's going to continue the next week or 10 days. So just pay attention. Don't just go out there to spray because you've got the chemical and you think you need to spray it. But uh, just some refreshers on growth stage in those soybeans. Uh, R3, I believe the uh, definition of that is you look at the top four nodes of the plant and you want to see at least one pod that's at least three sixteenths of an inch long, but no longer than three quarters of an inch long. Pretty specific. So take a look in those top four nodes. Uh, once, <clears throat> once your pods in those top four nodes get to be longer than three quarters of an inch long, you're in R4. If you're just seeing blooms and some small pods on the bottom of the plant that aren't in the top four nodes, you're R2. So take a look at that. Make sure you're timing that application right. If you miss the boat and you're too late, then you might consider just not spraying at all. And I don't know, switching gears just to corn for a second. I don't, I've had a couple of calls in my area recently about, you know, we've talked about the drought stress corn. Obviously we're starting to get rain now, but that early corn that's kind of already passed the point of return, you know, they're getting some questions about what they should do with it. And I think Chad said this a couple of weeks ago, you know, you've got the opportunity to insight or to chop it for silage if you can do that. But if not, there's a few folks that are at, were asking, and I found a, an article that said that you can actually, you could mow it for hay, mow it down using a mower conditioner, um, and then, and then wrap it, but you're going to have to double wrap it. And if you do that, I would just highly, highly recommend that you test it for nitrates. Just do that because I would hate for you to, you know, feed it and it not yeah. be good. And, <laughs> and when you say double wrap it like that, just basically put twice the plastic on you yes. normally would. Yes. You know, you're normally talking five to six wraps. You're probably going to want eight to ten on something like that just because those stalks, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to try and poke through that plastic quite a bit. And we all know, we've all probably seen baleage that didn't get enough plastic or had holes in it, and it turns to garbage pretty It quick. does. It yeah. does. So yeah. you don't want to end up in a in a mess like that. So right. make sure you use plenty of plastic if you're going to do that. Uh, you're talking about testing it for nitrates. Make sure you test it after it's had a chance to ensile. Yes. Because the ensiling process will actually lower those nitrates down a little bit. Yeah, uh, and could take a feed that was unsafe to feed and turn it into a feed that's safe to feed. Right. Uh, you know, I know there's a few balers around in our part of the world that have knives mm -hmm. in them now, solid special type balers. That would be a good option if you've got that or got access to that or a neighbor with one that you can maybe hire uh, to make sure you get some of that chopped up a little bit. And then I know Jeff Limcooler did some work back in 2012 about different methods of mowing it. 
Uh, they used a few different machines to mow anything from a straight disc mower to a disc mower conditioner, I think was kind of middle of the road because those conditioner rolls kind of crushed that stalk a little and uh, maybe could make that a little easier for the for the cows to get a hold of in the at feeding time. Uh, and then I think he actually did some work with a with a brush hog with a rotary cut rotary mower. Uh, just mowing it down with that and that kind of chops it up. I think it was a little harder to bale that way, but uh, that kind of chopped it into some smaller pieces and and uh, helped with that process as well. So Yeah, so you have a couple things, of options, yeah, yeah. Some things to think about if you're looking at that for an option. But, but be sure you're looking at the field and like we've said on here many times before, if you're either looking at doing that on your own corn or a neighbor's that you're looking at buying, Get an insurance adjuster out exactly. there to appraise that before you start. I guess we'll um, for a song this week. We'll just we'll find something from Eastern Kentucky. We got a few different artists to choose from. Some of them I don't think are too. They're a little more modern. So like Chris Stapleton, Tyler mm-hmm. Childers. They, we're probably not going to find any of them on Abe. Uh, but you may have some. What were we talking about? You think he's Billy Ray Cyrus? You think he's you got some achy, breaky yeah, heart? Yeah, surely. That might be good. I might ask. I'm not sure. That's one of those that kind of falls on the borderline. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I still consider that like a country song. How but it was it the first one that was really like trying to be mainstream. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's, pro- he's probably got some D. White. Or some. D. White. Yeah, Yo Cam. Yeah. <laughs> D. White. Or some Ricky Skaggs. Anybody like that would be good. So. Tom There's T. Hall, heard Tom T. Hall. Yeah. yeah There's actually so. a lot of Eastern Kentucky artists. Oh yeah. Tom T. Hall was Western Kentucky. You think I think you got you I think you got your lines crossed. No. Uh, yeah, you're right. Olive Hill, Olive Hills, Eastern Kentucky. Isn't yeah. But anyway, we'll we'll do we'll play something there. And um wanted to mention we we talked about the flooding earlier in the show and uh since we were talking here there is there is some farmer assistant programs that are kind of running through some extension offices and wanted to talk about one that was the mountain cattlemen associations uh farmer disaster assistance and um they have some immediate needs listed as um obviously monetary donations gift cards and they prefer that they be Lowe's, Walmart, or Tractor Supply because those are stores that are in that area that are open and able to have things. Um, Hay, livestock feed, temporary fencing, gloves, respirators and masks is going to be a big thing because a lot of these homes are going to start to get moldy that don't get cleaned out right away. Uh, Wheelbarrows, wagons, trash bags. And I've also seen, it's not on this list, but I think fans are something that people are looking forward to, uh, to help dry stuff out. So um, those are items needed there. And uh, contact information um, is actually a coworker of ours, Mr. Charles May, who's the agriculture agent at the Perry County Extension Office, which is where Hazard is and where a lot of the flooding has happened. Um, But if you want to uh, shout out to them. Uh, the number for the, uh, I'll give you a number for the Perry County Extension Office. It's 606 438 5043. That's 606 438 5043. And also, I mean, if you, if you, having trouble getting a hold of them, they may be busy. Feel free to reach out to your, your local extension agent if there's things you think you could do to help or provide. And we'll try to help coordinate that as much as we can to, to get supplies where they're needed. So uh, feel free to do that as well. I think that about knocked out. It was a good show. Thanks again to Joe Stoltz. 
We'll see y'all next week. Anybody else going to say bye or see you? Bye. See you. All right. <laughs> bye.